Hey everybody, the podcast is taking a break until the fall, but don't despair. We still have content for you. We're going to be releasing a podcast version of our successful YouTube video series with Belinda Livesey, a designer who has her own studio and is trying to level up. Over the course of eight episodes, we're going to be talking about a ton of topics that are going to help you get your business where you want it to be. And while you're listening to those, we'll be hard at work the next season of the future podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Chris for The Process. This is episode eight. And a little spoiler alert, if you haven't done so already, watch episodes one through seven, because in this episode, we're going to do a recap. We're going to check in with Melinda to see how she's doing. Melinda, tell me how life is. What's going on? Oh, life is wonderful. Life is wonderful? Life Don't is say wonderful. that so sarcastically. What's going uh, on? Things are good. Things are good? Yes, the inquiries from clients are picking up. Okay. From when you had asked me last time. So within the past couple of weeks, I did get uh, four to five new inquiries. Okay, that's great. Yeah, uh, I was found on Behance. Were you on Behance before? I was on, but I was not active and my, my work was not updated. So okay. I updated my work and since then, I did get a few inquiries from there. So, internet, I tell you to do stuff on Behance and Behance works, and in a very short amount of time, we're talking about a couple of weeks here, right? Yeah. When was the first time you updated your Behance? How long ago was that? It probably was two, two and a half weeks ago. Whew. Now, results may vary, and these results are abnormal, but within two and a half weeks of updating some of the projects that Melinda already had designed, she got bites, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. So let's talk about the case studies. How many case studies have you updated already? I don't have a full-blown case study yet. This is just updating the work, Okay, the so how many, actual presentation. How many projects have you updated in terms of the presentation? Three. She's updated three. And what did you add to them? Or what did you change? What's different about them? Uh, so before it was very limited, so I might have only had a couple, well, maybe two to three images of the branding. Uh, it wasn't, you couldn't really get a sense for the whole brand, especially if I'm doing brand identity. It, it didn't show what uh, the different applications of the branding on different things. So on printed pieces, on stationery. And so I built out more of that. So I added to a lot of projects too. Um, and maybe some product, some, you know, some packaging. Um, so yeah, I was adding to a lot of the projects. I see. So you built out a couple more applications yeah. and labels, packages, letterhead, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you, you tried to make the work that you've done, you tried to make it more encompassing in terms of like the different parts that it touches. And that's great. And that also triggers something within the client. Like I have these needs. My stuff doesn't look this good in all applications and you've done that. How much time did you spend in updating the applications for each one of your projects, roughly? Oof, it was hours for each. Hours, oh my gosh, hours? This is where the internet gets mad at me, hours? Well, how many hours uh, for each project? Not, not like each so application. It's so hard when you ask me that. Um, Just ballpark. For each project, Yeah. maybe eight okay. hours. Are you underestimating or overestimating? I don't know. Let's just say she's like most designers and she underestimates. Let's say it's double that. Okay. Let's say she spent two full working days, 16 hours to update 
one project in terms of applications, doing mock-ups, photography. Research too, because when you had mentioned to look at someone research. that you want to emulate or be like, I was doing a lot of research and how do other people present their work as well. So that came even before I touched any of the projects. Sure, that's so. fair. Now research is hard for us to like quantify because everything you do in life is research. Talking to me is research, talking to your friend, going to the bookstore is research, right? Because you get inspired by different things. But in terms of the actual making, once you knew what you needed to do, 16 hours. Now, I'm giving her a little bit of a hard time at the risk of alienating the audience. And she spent 16 hours and she got a new job lead. Now, you have to ask yourself, is that a good return on investment? To spend 16 hours times three, three projects, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm being generous because I've doubled all your time already, right? Mm -hmm. So if you spent basically uh, uh, six days working on updating the applications of the physical work, that leads to how many new job calls do you have now? From that, it was two from Behance. Two from Behance, where else is it from? Instagram. From Instagram? Okay, so mm -hmm. the, the beautiful thing is once you update the applications, you can then cut it apart and put it out as micro content. You can use it to update your website, the capabilities deck. You can update your portfolio, all these kinds of things. So the 16 hours actually goes a really long way. But if we just stuck to Behance and said you have two new job leads from doing six days worth of work, that's three days of work for one job lead, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a good ROI? You're only saying that those two jobs are the payout for those updates because that's going to live there for a very long time and it's going to bring in more job leads. Right. I'm just saying so. right now, let's say if no new job leads ever come from any of this and there's no more benefit, which is ridiculous to say, right. but I'm trying to make a point. Yeah. The point is for three days of work, three days of work, you got, a, you got one new job lead. That is incredible. Okay. There, there are very few things that you could do in life that if you worked on something and focused on it for three days, it would lead to somebody calling you for a new piece of business. That is incredible. So if you're sitting there thinking to yourself right now, gosh, I don't have any job leads. What's going on? How do I get sales? How do I get my first job? Maybe, maybe you haven't put in the work necessary. Dare I say that? That the person that you need to blame is the person staring back at you in the mirror. Okay? Let's go on. Uh, so, uh, we were talking about clients. Are you asking me what else has changed? Yeah, what's going on? This is our kind of midterm um, progress. So, I have been practicing and changing my habit of just outright giving advice in life in general. And I have not done this perfectly. It's a bad habit that I need to break. But I've tried to practice asking why questions to mm -hmm. my friends, to my husband to my family members, like when they come to me with either an issue, a desire, or some goal they're trying to reach and something's getting in their way, then I'm now just coming at the situation and discovering what's the real issue and helping them discover it. And so I'm not just coming in to a conversation with, well, why don't you just do X, Y, and Z? I also have been realizing that I and then this sounds obvious, but that I need to compete with myself, but it's so easy to not think about when I'm comparing myself to others and competing with other people. And so I'm realizing that and I actually noticed it when I was playing golf with my dad and he's really good. And we were just, we were putting and had a little competition between each other. And I thought to myself, why am I so worried about trying to beat him? Why shouldn't, why didn't I keep score of what I did last time 
to beat myself this time. And so then it kind of put me in a different frame of mind just in everything that I do, that I need to start competing with myself, but it was funny that I noticed it when I was playing golf. Great, I love that. Uh, another one was about, I, I think it was in the 101 things I learned in business school about caring less, about the one that cares less has the upper hand, the upper hand mm. in nego negotiating. Um, but what was interesting was that I noticed that the jobs that I thought I had in the bag, the ones that were low paying and that I felt like I was doing them a favor, it was odd because I've, I'm noticing that I cared more to land those jobs. And I don't know if it was just because I knew that I could get them and that I was overqualified, where when a, a larger job came, I wasn't as invested, or I, I could approach it and not care as much. I wasn't so desperate. Well, let me say this, and I'm guilty of this, and I think a lot of people are guilty of this. The challenging tasks you delay and procrastinate on doing. So the challenging task could be balancing your checkbook. It could be onboarding a big client. It could be writing up a proposal. It could be a lot of those things. And then you'll do all the stupid little things, like oh, I gotta check my Instagram feed, or I gotta update my Facebook status, or something like that, because that's easy for you to do. So that's very human to do that, so I don't think you need to feel bad. You just need to acknowledge that that's happening, and then make the decision as to what you wanna do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, the clients that are coming to me and the types of jobs that are coming to me, they aren't just leading in with how much do you cost. And so that's been different. And also, I, I wonder too if I had been getting those types of clients before, but I was so focused on the price that I assumed they were. And so I, I don't think this is a completely new crop of clients. A little different, but I think I am also different in how I approach these new clients too. Probably a little bit of both. Yeah. But it's too short of a time, I think, for drastic changes like that to happen. Meaning you put up a few new projects on your website and then the world changes for you. And sometimes that does happen. I'm not discrediting that, but I think mostly it's because you've changed and not the client. You're listening for different things. You're looking for different things. And it's funny like how you, when you're looking to solve a particular problem, like you want to buy a new hose for your lawn or something, all of a sudden hose things start appearing, like all these different options. Infomercials start popping up. The magazine you turn to all of a sudden talks about these new hose technologies. It's because our brain is wired in such a way that when we concentrate on something, we're going to be able to see it because otherwise we can't process all the information that's coming into our head because that'll lead to Oh, I don't know, feeling overwhelmed? Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Spoiler yes. alert. Yes. Okay, what else? So I did get to sit in on a couple of discovery meetings with two strategists. Um, one I pulled in because I knew that my expertise and my knowledge could only go so far, and so that's what I told the client, and then I would bring in someone else and we'd have a separate meeting yeah. regarding that, and so we did. And so my friend who's a strategist led that one um, and I was listening in and I discovered how much I don't know about leading and facilitating and even some of the questions that he asked the discoveries that the client made, I wouldn't have even known to go there. And so mm. it, was, it was showing me how much I'd lack in, in that and learning also and just Give how to ask examples. those questions. I have so many questions about the strategist friend 
Because not every one of us has a strategist friend ready to pop out of our pocket, like, hey, buddy, you remember that thing? Yeah, help me out. We don't have that. Right. I'm curious about who this, these two people are. But first, what are some of the questions they asked that you're like, whoa? Well, the client, um, I'm more familiar with B2C, so business to consumer. And his model is set up more B2B. And I'm not familiar with that. And so, and I'm not familiar with the inner workings of larger businesses anyway. And so the questions that my friend was asking, I didn't even, and, and at the end of it, some of it, was, it looked like common sense, but I just didn't even know the questions to ask about who they were partnering with and how they were gonna make the money in the end. And it sounds like obvious questions, but it just wasn't to okay. me. Um, and the second one, it was a friend who is a consultant, and he was pulling me in for a large project for branding. Yes. And he was going to do everything. He assembles a team of specialists to work on things, and so he asked if I wanted to be in on the initial meeting, and so I wanted to go. And kind of the same thing happened there, where it just there was so much that I didn't know that I couldn't have facilitated a meeting like that, but there were notes that I took and mm. learning about how big businesses work. Can I share something with you? Yeah. And for you guys that are tuning in, it's human nature to want to seek pleasure and to minimize pain. That's the primary thing that's motivating us in all the things that we do. We seek pleasure and we're trying to minimize pain. So if you apply that as a general framework and what are motivating people, let's try to figure this thing out. Whether it's a group of people, a company, a really big company, whether it's B2C, B2B, if it's reporting to shareholders, everybody wants to seek pleasure. They have a goal that they're trying to accomplish. Now, they wouldn't be talking to you if they already accomplished the goal. Hence, the questions that I ask generally warrant like a negative answer, like, I'm not getting that. Okay, so when you're talking about something that you've never worked on before, it doesn't really matter if you apply that same framework and that principle that somebody's trying to achieve something in their life and they can't get it. You have to figure out what they're trying to achieve and what's getting in the way of that. It's a really straightforward process, uh, part of my three golden questions to ask, right? Which is, what, what are you trying to achieve? What's getting in your way? And the rest of it is just listening intently and following up with more questions until you have a clear picture. And more importantly, the client has a clearer picture. So you can throw anything at me like, if you have any kind of, do you have any weird hobbies? Something that's weird super, hobbies. like, niche that I wouldn't have any knowledge of at all? No. Do you Not have any weird diets or health things or exercise routines or anything? Not something super out of the ordinary. Could be something weird about you. I'm a master at Tetris. Are you really? Yes. Okay. Um, is there a goal you're trying to achieve in Tetris you haven't been able to achieve yet? Gosh, I'm not that good. No, I just try to beat myself, what I did last time. What do you think is getting in the way of you beating yourself? Time in practicing, or just the time putting into so practice to get better? So if you put more time in, you'll get better? Yeah. Is there a way you could do that, say, faster and less time? If I have someone else play for me? No, because I have to do it myself. Aren't there certain strategies that you can use? Maybe there yeah. is, like with chess, there are strategies. Certain positions, if you can recognize them, if you move to that position, you will win. Mm -hmm. 
So if you were to hire a coach, something like that, or if something's getting in the way of you having time to practice, let's get rid of that if this is important to you. So I don't have to know anything about Tetris. I'm just trying to help you achieve your goal. And if you say something that's funny to me, my brain says, that sounds funny, that sounds illogical, let's look for another solution or let's challenge you if that's true or not. Mm. So it's coming off a very broad base of life experience that's applied to your specific problem under that same framework. Mm -hmm. You want to do something better, something's preventing you from getting that, and if I can help you figure that out, so you could have said easily, I'd rather just give up time watching soap operas and then I can practice Tetris. Is it fantastic? Would that work for you? Yes. Thank you so much for solving my problem. That's what the strategist is doing that you're not doing. Mm -hmm. You do not need to know B2B. Of course you're leveling up right now by reading these business books that I'm encouraging you to do. So at least you're a conversant in the language of business so that you're not entering it with like a first grade level vocabulary where you're coming in at like at least um, a junior high student or something like that. Before we continue, here's John Roth. hey yo, John Roth here from the future. I'm here to tell you guys about the Pro Membership. A lot of you have been asking about how you can engage with us and where you can go to meet like-minded individuals. Well, I'm here to tell you how. For $75 a month with the Pro Membership, you can join Chris Doe's collective of creative entrepreneurs, which includes everyone from designers to strategists to writers and more from all over the world. Also included is over 40 hours of exclusive videos on a variety of topics, from the business of design to project management and access to two pro calls a month where you can have your questions answered by Chris live. All that and more in your pro membership for just $75 a month. Not afraid of commitment? Sign up for a year and save $150. The pro membership, exclusively in the online store. Go to thefuture.com slash shop for more. What's really interesting is I was watching this video with Todd McFarlane, who's a very well-known comic book artist, he said this, he said, you know, if you want to be successful in the business world, you need to speak the language of business. He says, I'm an artist, but I'm bilingual. I speak two languages, the language of art and the language of business, and that's what makes me effective in business meetings. This is what you're doing. You're learning your second language now. Yeah. I thought that was pretty like awesome the way he said that. So I'm going to steal that. I'm bilingual. <laughs> yes. And so I still feel like I'm, I just know a few of the terms. And I, that's where I think it, it's the language barrier that I'm not understanding everything because I don't have all of at least the terminology yeah. with that. And so I see that and it looks daunting. Since we're on this analogy of language, I want to say this because I've studied French. I've studied Latin. I'm studying Mandarin, sort of. Learning the language of business is much, much simpler because there's not that many terms you need to understand, not that many concepts that you need to understand, as opposed to learning a whole real language. Just to let you guys know so you don't get scared. Okay, what else? Anything else on the status update? I'm just trying to break my bad habits. What are your bad habits? Well, like the one I mentioned about just giving advice and not asking oh, right. why. Okay. Uh, the other bad habit of not talking about money up front that okay. I have been talking about money in the initial calls. Are you getting more comfortable talking about money? Yes. 
Are you more comfortable being rejected? Uh, try it. I haven't fully been rejected yet. Things are still in the works. Okay. So Let I, me rephrase I the can't. question. Let me rephrase a very leading question with a closed mind. <laughs> Let me just rephrase. Okay, go for it. I remember in episode one, you told me that you didn't want to talk about money because that meant that the person could say no to you. You'd rather go away and toil over a bid, a proposal, and then submit that and then have them say no in an email. Right. That was preferable to you. Right. So when I asked you the question, are you more comfortable with hearing no and being rejected, your answer was? Yes, I am more comfortable. That's it. Because you are, obviously. Yeah. Once you start talking about money, it's like asking a girl or a guy out. You, 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 there's a very high likelihood that you're going to get a no. Just because you haven't heard no before doesn't mean you've become more comfortable with it, right? True. Because that's a very real option. As soon as you bring up something that somebody can object to, you're opening yourself up for rejection. It's true. So, good job. Thank you. And why am I so crazy about this? Why am I pushing in so hard on you on, on recognizing this? It's because we do not take enough credit for the things we've been able to do. Hence, we're stuck in this place of doubt and self-criticism and things like that. So it's my job not only to jump on you when you're doing something where I think you can tweak and fix, but when you've done something right, to force you to acknowledge you've gotten there, right? We spend most of our time and energy focusing on what we're not, so little time, sadly, on the things that we are. You've made a ton of progress. You don't know it yet, but I already know it. And we're gonna keep going. What else? Uh, I also have been getting asked to uh, write for blogs and wow. be on podcasts. Dang. And webinars. How come? Because I am more out there. People see me. And it's so weird. What a weird I concept. Know, I know. God. Um, also, the friends that I have too, just networking with them and getting to know what they do. Um, a lot of that comes through the friends too that I have. Excellent. Yeah. So there's this whole transformation that's happening. Mm -hmm. This little secret in Orange County. Is that where you are? Yeah. Yeah, there's a little secret in Orange County hidden behind that orange curtain. All of a sudden, you're on this stupid show, this show, and you're changing your Behance page, you're changing your Instagram page, and you're just putting yourself out there, putting out positive energy, and lo and behold, lo and behold, if you're willing to be vulnerable, which you are, if you're willing to be criticized, which you obviously must be, because this show, that's all people want to do is criticize us, from one thing to the next, all of a sudden, you become a little bit more resilient, mm -hmm. a little tougher. I mean, she doesn't look like it from the outside, but she's a tough woman. You're a tough woman. You're a brave woman. And now you go out there and it's like, yeah, let's do this. Right? Yeah. You feel like that? Yeah. You feel like you're like in that 80s movie, The Warriors? Warriors. <laughs> no? I don't know that movie. But okay, yes, how I'm about sure. in Escape from New York? Kurt Russell in the, in the boxing ring with the bats with spikes on them and people are just beating <laughs> each other's brains out. That's you now. Not the person getting their brains yeah, beat out, but you're like this tough person. Like, let's do battle, right? Okay, yeah. good, what else? Uh, I did get an inquiry from Instagram, my personal page, or my personal Instagram. And I thought at first, well, the client asked, he said, wait, which one are you again? Because he had contacted a few people. And I said, well, I do the logo studies on Instagram. He said, no, no, no. I remember you. You're the dog lover. And that's why I wanted to go with you. 
So. Smirk. There's a smirk coming on you. My dog All right. did bring it in. I, I got some grief for saying something. So let's, <laughs> let's address that today. All let's right. address that today, right now. Yeah. I said to you two things. Nobody cares about your dog. Don't post your dog pictures. Don't post your cat pictures unless you're a dog photographer or somebody who grooms animals, right? Or you're for working for PETA or one of those things. Don't show your food pictures, your kid pictures. Nobody wants to see any of that stuff. And he said, you know, you, not you, you, unless you're a celebrity, you're not that hot. And people thought I was attacking you. All right. You specifically. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the, the lives of celebrities, for better or for worse, are what sells magazines. People are really into that. It's all gossipy. There's a dozen magazines out there just to tell you what somebody eats, drinks, farts, and where they sleep mm -hmm. all the time. And if you're not that person, don't give them that because the public doesn't want that from you. And now you're saying, pie in your face, Christo. <laughs> somebody, somebody hired me because of my dog picture. And what does that tell you? What's the message you want to well, tell the, the people? Well, it's nothing that I can prescribe that they should do, but it was something that I noticed that they did want to relate to me on a personal level. And I venture to guess that it was building some kind of trust. Well, if that person's a dog lover, they must be awesome. Okay, let's look at this. Let's examine this a little bit. I still stand by my statement, and emphatically I say this, it's not about your animals, and in this one case it worked out for you according to this one testimonial. That does not make a good plan for, for repeat business, and I'll tell you why. If they go through your website, and your social feed and they can find nothing else about you on your LinkedIn or anything else to relate to you and understand your beliefs and your philosophy and the last rung on that ladder is your dog picture that's telling me you're not doing a good enough job relating to people elsewhere like if anybody in the world wants to know what I think and what I feel there's dozens of articles I've written uh, probably over a hundred posts I've made 300 videos on YouTube there's no secret about what I think and what my beliefs and values are and I want to align myself with people who think like me. I think your dog picture would have been perfect under your about page where you talk about who you are, your beliefs and your values, and it's you and your dog. That's where I think it should live. Now on your personal page, you can continue to post whatever you want, family, friends, and all that kind of stuff, but like, if you're like me, I don't have time to manage so many different accounts, and the one that matters the most to me right now is the one that puts food on the table for my kids to eat, that pays for the college tuition, that's the one that matters. And if it were about my kids, or my dogs, and any of these other kinds of things that people want to see, and that's what pays the bills, that's what I'm doing. And just, I just realized how much time I have and how little time I have. So, bravo on the dog pic. <laughs> Internets, you've been uh, vindicated, or so you think. I, that's a cautionary tale, you guys. Right, and that's why I said I don't want to prescribe anything because of it. It was just a funny coincidence after our conversation. What a quinky dink. What a coincidence. And look, internets, I want to save your fingers from typing this. I'm just going to say it right now, that even in defeat, he's still a bitter pill about the whole thing. It's self-righteous. There, I've said it. You don't even need to type it. I've said it. All right. Anything else? Are we going to wrap this up? Well, that was, that's about it. That's it. Okay, fantastic. I think you've done a really great job. I love seeing your progress. And the thing that caught my eye from the very beginning, the, the reason why I even reached out to you 
was I saw this maniac on the other side. I had no idea who you were. I just looked at how you took a simple assignment, um, an exercise, a piece of advice, and how you went all in on it. And you did it with a degree of detail and, and an eye for design that really blew me away. And that's why you and I have a relationship today. And I knew if this person was anything like what I read into the one post or comment, there was tons of potential. And I had called you, if you remember, I called you like, what the heck are you doing this exercise for? You're way too advanced for this. And you said, no, let's talk. And that's how this relationship began. So I'm pretty good, I think, at picking potential winners. Sometimes I pick a loser. I'm not saying you're a loser. We'll see. Only a loser in the sense that I, I read more into the situation that was really there. I'm not calling other people losers because they don't want to do what I want to do. Okay? But you're doing a great job. I believe you're well on your way to smashing your goals. All of them. Whatever they are. Because I can even see the way you think and how you apply what it is that I'm asking you to do in everything that you do. In every interaction that you do it. So the next level for you will to do the strategy work that I've been hinting at, but we haven't really gone into, okay? The Future is hosted by me, Chris Doe. The show is edited by Stuart Schuster. Big thanks to Adam Sanborn, who composed our theme song. To subscribe to The Future Podcast, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and now SoundCloud. Make sure you rate and review our episodes. Don't miss out on upcoming events, live streams, workshops, and announcements by going to thefuture.com and sign up for the newsletter link at the bottom. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Future Is Here. Thanks for listening. That's it for this episode. See you in the future.